listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Conklin. In most of our episodes, we'll have a guest, a woman who is running on mission right where she's at. We pray this podcast leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news. Friends, you've heard me talk about how much I love Westrack coffee, and I really mean it. I love it. If you haven't seen a bag of Westrock coffee, it's the one with the beautiful, bright gold bag and a sweet elephant on the logo. If you've wondered what the company is about, they are dedicated to making great coffee that also changes lives, which you can imagine we love to get behind here at Go and Tell Gals. Westrock partners with farmers across the globe by offering access to loans, agricultural training, healthcare, and clean water. Can you even imagine? They also always pay a fair price for their coffee based on the quality that they're getting from their farmers who they're obviously supporting so well. The end result of this incredible support and the fair price they're paying is a strong and sustainable growth in developing countries and a cup of coffee that you can love, enjoy, and feel great about drinking. You can find Westrock Coffee at Kroger or on Amazon, or you can go on westrockcoffee.com to find out the closest place you can get it. I wonder what the trickiest part of your faith life is. I wonder which piece feels the stickiest and the hardest to manage. I know what mine has been in the past and I'd love to speak into it in case it's a struggle for you as well. The other night, my husband and I were sharing a memory about a Bible study we went to when we were teenagers. We were discussing how our youth leaders of this particular Bible study did the thing that lots of youth leaders do where they essentially tried to trick us to teach us something about the Bible. They sat us down and the first question they asked us was, if you've prayed about something, should you pray about it again? If you've already prayed about something, should you pray about it again? Well, I was a new believer. I was maybe six months into walking with God. I was freshly 16. And I remember with so much pride in my heart, I said, no, if you've prayed about something, you should trust God that he will solve it and you should not pray about it again. If we really have faith that we pray, we should just pray once and then never pray about something again. Everyone else in the room kind of answered something along the same lines. Right, right. If you've really prayed about something, no, you don't have to pray about it multiple times. And they, in their wisdom, took us to the passage of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying multiple times that God would take this cup from him. If Jesus and all his foreknowledge and wisdom and holiness asked God for this thing multiple times, even knowing that it wouldn't come, maybe it is good and holy that we pray for things many times, even if we don't see them come to fruition. The point is we connect with God. But the idea that we got tricked about it still makes me laugh. And the thing is, I believe that the enemy of our souls has continued to trick us about prayer. And if I'm being honest, I think that what may be happening is that we have a generation of women who are tricked into believing that they pray in the wrong way or that they don't know how to pray. And that has kept them from stepping into the throne room of God 
with boldness and with clarity and with honesty. I wrote in one of my books that I didn't believe women when they said they prayed. And my editor made me soften it a little bit, but the truth stands firm that I think that a lot of what we call prayer is not actually communicating with God, but saying the words that we think we're supposed to say when we communicate with God. I've been thinking a lot about prayer lately. I've been reading a lot about prayer lately, and I've been struck with this one overwhelming thought. What is the difference between prayer and thinking, really? If God hears our thoughts, what's the difference? Is it not just our perspective? When I'm thinking, but I'm not talking to God, he's still hearing my thoughts. And so when I try to come to him intentionally and say something other than what I'm truly thinking, I'm actually pretending or reciting or putting on some kind of pretense when he already knows what's in my head and what's in my heart. I think this shift of perspective is really ground shaking for me. And I think the perspective regarding prayer is everything. Here's another one. If I'm not careful, I'll begin to think of prayer as this generous thing that I do for God, rather than a generous thing that I do for myself. I begin to think of it as a have to instead of a get to. I might even begin to believe this lie from the enemy that I pray to get closer to God, rather than the truth of scripture that says, I pray to acknowledge how close God already is. If Jesus came all the way to the cross for me to have intimacy with the Father, can I really do anything to get closer to him? Hasn't he done all the work? See, I think we're a generation tricked into thinking that prayer is a certain language or a certain set of words or that it has to be done in a certain way. And that's keeping us from experiencing the thrill of it. That's keeping us from experiencing the joy of it. But I don't think we're the only ones. Do you know what I found out the other day about scripture? Of all the things that the disciples saw Jesus do, they saw him raise people from the dead. They saw him heal people. They saw him do ministry. They saw him teach. They saw him do miracles. And of all the things recorded in scripture that we see the disciples ask Jesus to explicitly teach them to do, there's only one thing. They asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. These humans who talked with God incarnate on earth were still tricked into believing they didn't know how to talk to God. But he was compassionate on them and he felt for them. And so he gave them some teaching. And we are going to read that out of Matthew 6. Here's what he says. When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's more to that chapter. I'd highly suggest checking it out and reading the words of Jesus. I just want to highlight a few things from this passage. Here's one. Matthew 6 verse 7 says, And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans. The Greek translation of that word babbling essentially means to say the same thing over and over again, to recite some words that maybe don't mean a lot to you. And yet here is what we have done with the passages that come after that. We've turned the Lord's Prayer into not always a meaningful thing that we recite. Maybe sometimes it is, and maybe for some of us it is, but I find sometimes it's just a catch-all that we murmur. Some of you may be in churches where you've never even heard that before because it's a more traditional thing to do, but I grew up in a church where I remember learning the Lord's Prayer long before I ever knew Jesus or loved Jesus. I could say the words even though I didn't mean them at all. My kid's basketball team hilariously says the Lord's Prayer at the end of every game, and my kids, who are the pastor's kids, don't know the Lord's Prayer because we haven't taught it to them. But they all just mumble at our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I've done a lot of reading about prayer, and I love the idea of short repetition prayers when we can't find our words, this idea of breath prayers, small phrases we can say when our hearts don't really know what to say, when our mouths don't really have enough time to make words. But Man, we should be cautious to not turn this teaching from Jesus into something we just mutter thoughtlessly. I don't think he was giving us a script. I don't think he was giving us a prescription. He was showing us some things about how he even related to his heavenly father, how we could too. Here are a few things I grasp from the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven Just saying that reminds me that God is real. And maybe it's helpful if we don't do the thing where we just say, God, Father God, Father God, over and over again without without knowing what it means. But maybe that we actually acknowledge that we have a Father who loves us and is good and is actually in heaven. There is a big, good, holy God, and he's listening right now. Maybe Father God is just an acknowledgement like, I don't really know what this means that I'm talking to someone I can't see, but I want to believe with all that I have that you are listening. Hallowed be your name. You are good. I want to remember that when I come to God, that he is holy, that he knows more than I know, that his perspective is better, that his ways are better. And keep that in mind before I ask him for anything. Because ultimately, if he doesn't give me what I want, I can trust his plan. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I recognize that this fallen place I live here on earth, on the dust and the ground, things do not always go the way you would have them go. Will you use my hands? Will you use my words? Will you use my hours and my days to make this space a little bit more like where you're at? To have heaven invade earth. I recognize that these are two separate spaces and I want my world to look a little bit more like heaven. I want to see you clearer. I want to see your hand move. I want to have eyes that are awake to what is happening in the kingdom even while I live on earth. Give us today our daily bread. 
I've got some needs. And Jesus communicates clearly to us that it's all right. And actually it's good to go to our father and ask for what we need. I love this next line and forgive us our debts. Do you ever feel like you have to hide your sin from God before you talk to him? To me, this goes back to the whole thought versus prayer thing of why would we not bring our sins into the full light of God's presence when we talk to him? Why would we try to hide the things we're ashamed of when he's already seen it all? I love Acts 3.19 that says, refreshment comes from repentance. And so I'm encouraged and blessed that Jesus reminds us even here that we can bring our stuff to God and show it to him and thank him that he has forgiven us. And in the next breath, forgive us as we have also forgiven our debtors. Help us to extend the same grace you've extended to us, to others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you for the grace you've given us in the past. And please give us the grace to be compelled toward choosing holy things as we walk forward. I'm going to need your help, not just to get the stuff I need, but to live in a way that honors who you've made me to be. I need you, God. You're big. You're good. You're otherworldly. Help me make this world look like your world. Help me live like a daughter of your kingdom. Please help me get what I need. Forgive me for what I've done wrong. Help me forgive others. And help me to agree with who you've made me to be. Before we leave today, though, I just want to capture a few ways that I believe the enemy of my soul has tricked me and kept me from saying real words to God and from experiencing the thrill, the joy, the awe, and the wonder that comes with having a vibrant prayer life. Number one, the enemy has tricked me into thinking, and maybe you too, that we must be polite. I asked a friend of mine who is an incredible Bible scholar what her thoughts were on this because she's very wise about God's word. And I said, I have a sense that we as Christians, specifically we as Christians in this current culture, feel like we have to be polite when we pray. And I hear this from women. I hear women's voice actually change when they talk to God. It gets very sweet and it gets very official sounding. It sounds very polite. And so I asked my friend, who's the Bible scholar, do we have to be polite when we talk to God? And where does that interact with reverence? My friend Jolie said, Ecclesiastes 5.1 says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. She said, so I guess politeness before God would involve listening first rather than just barging in and rattling off our issues, which as it turns out is also how we show politeness to other people. Listen first, engage heart and mind, and then speak. Man, that's a good word. This idea of listening first and treating God the way I would treat a friend since that's what he's described us as, 
made me think about how it would be if we walked into a coffee shop to have a date with a friend and started almost reciting poems or words that we thought we should say. What if we used a different voice with our girlfriends or we started always using the same words to describe how we were doing and what we wanted them to do? They might look at us like we were crazy. They might think, why aren't you just talking to me? Why aren't you just saying real words? Why aren't you telling me what you really think? This is not polite. This is not a conversation. This is not a relationship. This is you reciting something. That would not be polite. So if we're really worried about revering and honoring God, maybe one of the best ways we can do it is with honest and true words. I wonder what it would look like if we experienced the release to just think our truest thoughts toward God and listen in response for what he might say. I believe the enemy has tricked many of us into believing that we must say the right words. One time I was sick and I told a friend I had prayed to not be sick. And she said, how did you pray? And I kind of knew what she was getting at. And I do believe that it's important that we pray with boldness and with faith and in Jesus name. But at the end of the day, if the effectiveness of our prayers is dependent on the exact arrangement of our words, that doesn't seem to give God a lot of credit, does it? When I talked to my friend, the Bible scholar, about this idea of saying the right words versus just saying real words, she said, to be honest, I think the most important thing is not that we say the right words when we pray, but just that we say them. And I have to agree too. I think the Bible, the Psalms, are full of people saying real and honest words to God, even Moses. So many people who just said honest, real things to God, and he responded in power and in strength and always in grace. Maybe the important thing is not that we say the right words, but just that we say real ones. Lastly, I believe the enemy of our souls has convinced us that we have to be upstanding and very, very righteous to approach God. That we can't have sinned the night before, that we can't be in a bad mood to pray. Some of us feel as if we're not fit to pray in front of other people because of our lives or how we've lived. And yet what I believe the truth is, is that it's the righteousness of Christ that upholds all of us. If by grace, through faith, we believe in him and we are in relationship with the Father, if we're a part of the family of God, that is all dependent on the upstanding and righteousness of Jesus alone. Not us, not what we did last night, not our character. I don't know, friends. I'm not here with the prescription of how you should pray or when you should pray. I'm just here with a few thoughts. Number one is that I don't want the enemy to trick me into missing out on the joy and the vibrancy and the wildness and the grace and the mercy of communicating with my father. I want to pray with real words, simple prayers that have a supernatural impact. I wanna to talk to God like I actually think he's there. I want to talk to God like he's my friend because that's what he's called me. I want to honestly tell him what I need. I want to honestly tell him when I'm sorry. I want to be able to ask for his help. 
I don't want to hide what I'm struggling with. And instead, I want to say real words. I want to be polite and honoring and full of reverence to the point where I treat him with respect, to be humble and to be honest and to listen, to let him talk back. I want to be persistent in prayer, not because it makes me better, but because it's my privilege. I want to realize that prayer is not a generous thing I do for God, but a generous thing I get to do for myself. I want to remember that he's come all the way for me. He sent his son for me. He has bridged the gap toward me. And I don't pray to get closer to him, but I pray to acknowledge how close he already is. This is what we get to do. We get to pray. Let's go.